That was good. All right, go to the book of Joel. Okay, book of Joel, I'm just going to jump right in and give it to you because maybe by the end of the service you'll find it. And uh, book of Joel, chapter 3. Book of Joel, chapter 3. Don't be yawning now. I just barely got up here. All right. Book of Joel, chapter 3. We're going to look at verse 12. Verse 12. If you're there, say amen. Amen. All right. And if you weren't there and you said amen, you were a liar. No. Joel chapter 3 verse 12 says, Let the heathen be awakened, be wakened, and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there will I sit to judge all the heathen round about. Put ye in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come get you down, for the press is full. The fats overflow, for their wickedness is great. Verse 14 is our text verse. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you bless this morning. Lord Jesus, I pray that you guide my mind, my thoughts. Holy Spirit of God, I yield myself to thee. Lord, thank you for the way you, the faithfulness of people. Thank you for uh, the, just the wonderful spirit of the people that come to this church and, and those that have come to visit us. And Lord, I pray that, that uh, they will, it will never fail here that, that your word will be preached and the truth will be given. But Lord, more importantly, that it will be given through the spirit of God. And Holy Spirit, I yield myself to thee and ask you, please fill my mind, my heart, Dear God, help me to say what I'm trying to say, but to deliver it in such a way that, that it will not hurt, but that it'll, it'll help someone. And dear God, I yield myself to Thee, please. In Jesus' name, amen. This passage is often used to draw people to make a decision for Christ. It's, it, it lends itself that way, saying multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. Uh, and and this two words, multitudes, multitudes, that's an emphasis. It's, it's saying just a number beyond number. It's just an incredible number the way it's that emphasis. But it says it's in the valley of decision. But earlier, we, the verse, a couple of verses before, we find out this is the valley of Jehoshaphat. The valley of decision is, is a place. Now, and it's used, though, I mean, and it has been used for as long as I've been in, in, the, in church and Christianity, about 40 years, that, and I've heard messages on it, you know, it's this valley of decision, it's a place on a time where, you know, trying to bring people to the point where you've got to understand that you, you've got to come to a decision for Christ. Uh, that time is coming, you're, you're in that moment, uh, today is the day of salvation, and so but in reality, it's not a challenge. This verse is not a challenge for man to make a decision. It is, it is man that is being brought to the valley. Man being brought down in the valley because of their wickedness and rebellion against God, that God may make His final decision concerning them. 
We tend to think that we have so many rights, so much power in our lives. And, and please, as I, as I say this, this message this morning, please give me, give me open ears and a hearing this morning because I, I, I labored over this message and I, and I, I prayed over this message and, and, I, and I beg God that I, you can ask my wife. I was even torn. I almost pulled it and just said, I, I'm not going to go there. I, I'm not going to preach this. But, but I just this is where the, the Lord led me and I've got to do it. But we so often, we feel like we have such an incredible power in our lives. We choose our direction. We choose our career. We choose who we follow. We choose uh, who we believe. And all along, we feel we're wise enough to make that decision and that our choice must be right because it's our choice. Our decision is the ultimate decision. Whatever we choose is how it should be and will be unless someone ignorantly interferes in what we're trying to do and what we're trying to accomplish. And this is not an attack against you. This is all of us as human beings. We have such a tendency. The great sin of mankind is a sin of pride. And we have such a tendency to get caught up in ourselves and feel like we have such a power of decision in our lives. But this verse, this passage is telling us that we don't have the decision-making power. God does. We have no right of decision concerning right or wrong. Did you know I can't decide right or wrong? I can't. It's already been decided. God in His Word has already given us principles to live by, so there's no real need to create our own principles to live by. God's already given them to us. People say, well, this is just who I am. That's just the way I live. That's just the way I do things. This is the way I roll. No, that God's already given you the way you're supposed to roll. He's already told us. And watch this. It's like the law. Ignorance is no excuse. Now, it was an excuse before they had it written down, but it's no excuse to us because we have it. We have the Word of God. We have the truth. God has already determined the outcome of the decision we choose. Now, listen to what I just said. He hasn't, he hasn't determined for us. We're not predestined to a choice. He's already determined the outcome of our choice. He's already determined the outcome if we choose to allow God to. God's decisions to be our decisions. He's, he's, he's determined the outcome if we choose to reject God's decisions. Now, I'm going to just give you a, an illustration that, that a lot of, especially younger ones and the guys will maybe understand this a little bit more, but, but I've also gone to a football game and watched some of you women too. There may be, you know, a couple of Alabama fans in here. Have you ever been to a football game? At, you know, we went uh, this year to the Memphis Memorial Stadium. I guess they still call it that, don't they? Anybody know? Liberty Bowl now. <laughs> yeah, I go back a ways, don't I? Uh, all right. Okay, the Liberty Bowl. Um, it's like calling Memphis State University of Memphis. It don't make it any better. All right. Now, but the Liberty Bowl probably, I don't know what it holds, but I'm assuming they've made some additions. It probably holds, you know, 60,000 or something now. And now, if it were full in Tennessee, and Ole Miss were playing in a bowl game in Memphis, 
Can you, I just figured that probably there's some people here that are not fans of Ole Miss. There's probably some who are fans of Ole Miss. There's probably some who are ignorantly fans of Tennessee. Now, but catch this scenario now. If, if, uh, if Ole Miss is driving down the field and they throw a pass into the end zone and the receiver and the defender both dive for that ball and when they hit the ground, that ball doesn't come spitting out so somebody has it. Can I tell you what half of the stadium, all the red and blues going to do because Ole Miss threw the pass, they're going to jump up and go, touchdown! And you know what Tennessee, all that orange is going to be doing? No way! No way! (laughs) And you know it's true. Now, here's the problem. None of them saw it. Right? Not... You, have you been in a stadium before? You don't really see anything. You're so far away. You say, well, no, I got good seats. Great. It's not the field. It's different on the field. Now, the problem is virtually no one was in the position to see it. But watch this. But they feel they did see it. How is that possible? They saw what they wanted to see. They saw, hey, listen, it, it's the it's same, it, and I hate to even throw this out, it's the same in our political realm. We usually have no facts, or even if we do, we construe the facts to favor the side we have already decided upon. That's the way we, we, we are. It, it's predetermined in our mind. It's like going to that ball game. We've already decided. Hey, listen, I used to referee. I did for years and years. I refereed. There's nothing I hate more than refereeing. You know why? Because I don't care what you call, you are loved or hated by half the crowd on every call. Because half of them, they're going to hate you, and half of them, they're going to... You cannot win refereeing. You can't do it. And I can't deal with that, because I just got to be loved. We are making a decision based upon what we believe things to be or even what we want things to be. Now, in in a game, we at least have a chance at an instant replay. But in life, news, politics, there's no instant replay. And even if it was, it'd be cut and spliced and edited to present the side that the, the reporter or the station wanted. And he said, Brother Hooker, what in the world is this message all about? What does this all mean to a Christian, to us as Christians? We have seen that the, when we, we looked at the first passage, we've seen that the final decision is not ours, it's God's. It's clear in that passage that God brings them there to make a decision about them. Number two, even our decisions along the way are really not ours, for a wise man will allow God and his word to make his decisions, which actually means he does not have to. You know, there's so many things I don't have to decide. They are already decided for me. 
The real error in even the best of Christians is that we tend to decide based on what we want and how we want things to be, based on who we like, what team, quote, we support, rather than based on the truth of the Word of God. You say, what does that mean, brother? We, we, will, we will listen to what people say outside of the, what the Word of God because they say what we want to hear. We'll even listen to preachers or teachers teach us what we want to hear. And I beg you, my wife's life was transformed. We were newly married, and that transformed her life. And, uh, but we were newly married, and, and, uh, and, and man, we were just trying to figure things out. We weren't really in church, and, and we'd come from, you know, she had gotten involved in the, in the Church of Christ back then for about two years, and, 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 uh, and now uh, she is very confused. We weren't in church. There's a lot of confusion on uh, whether it's works, whether it's baptism, whether it's salvation by grace. And she called, uh, she, honestly, she called her Church of Christ pastor that she had at that time. And man, he just ripped her for even listening to the Baptist at all. And he, about, about 30 minutes, she was in tears. He was just tearing into her for what she was doing. So she said to me, what should we do? And, and I'd only, uh, uh, some friends of mine were at Broadway Baptist Church. And I said, they tell me this Bobby Moore is a pretty good guy. So why don't we call him? Now, I didn't know he had his large church and everything, you know, but, but Jobet just called him. Well, you know what he did? He got on the phone with her. He just got right on the phone with her, and she said, here's my dilemma. I don't know what to believe. And you know what he told her? He said, honey, you know what you need to do? You need to go to the one place you've not gone. He said, you need to stop listening to everybody else and go to the Word of God and you get into the Word of God and you ask God to, to, to teach you and show you what is the truth. And listen to me, he said that to the right girl because that girl dove into the Bible. She lived into the Bible for about three months, man. She devoured the Bible. And she walked up to me one day and she grabbed me and she said, Rob, it's by grace and grace alone. It's amazing, but when we have a team, every call that day is good or bad by how it affects that team. Isn't it? Come on, Kim, tell the truth. When Alabama plays, it, yeah, I know. We think the ref is cheating. He's just cheating. Or we can be sitting beside somebody who says, no, he's the best ref I've ever seen. Over the same play. One guy yells, he was holding, man. He drug him to the ground. You see that? He wrapped him up. He might as well have been wrestling with him. And the other guy says, oh, man, he fell on his own. <laughs> Tripped over his old feet. Can't you see that? They're watching the same play. What I'm trying to get through to you, folks, is that we we got to be very careful of our preconceived ideas. We decide what we want. We decide who we like. We decide, and the verse says, the decision's not ours. What God is really looking for is somebody who says, Father, what is the call, and what's the answer? 
God says wisdom comes from the Word of God. Wisdom comes from prayer, by asking. Wisdom comes from wise men. Wisdom comes by being a soul winner. But yet, we have such a tendency to reject all those forms of wisdom because we've already made our decision. Can I beg you? Get counsel. Get counsel. Talk to people. And watch this. Get to people that that have some... Can I just say, if, if you wanted to, to you were going to plant a garden, and uh, Miss Linda's done this. You know what she did? She came to my daddy. Well, my daddy's not able to plant a garden right now. He's not physically able, but he's got it up here what to do, bless God. He knows where to plant. He knows what to plant. He knows when to plant. I know because he always made me do it. You say, well, do you know it then? No, because I wasn't thinking at all. Here, is that what I do? Go ahead. <laughs> now, you ought to go to somebody. If I'm going to build something, I listen, I'm going to go to my daddy. I'm going to say, before I even start, before I even mess it up. You know what? That's getting wisdom. You need to get wisdom about your decisions. Get wisdom about where you're going. Get wisdom about what you do with your life. Get wisdom about your finances. God says there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. Yes, we're biased. We're prejudiced by our own minds. And anybody says they're not, they're lying. We are. We just decide what we want things to be. We decide what we believe things to be. And bless God, everything we see is, is shaded by what we've already decided. I once asked a chapel full of kids. And it was about, at that time, probably about, uh, well, no, that, this day was a summer school chapel. I started to, to misquote myself. It was a summer school chapel, and there was about 400 kids in there. And... Um, and in the newspaper that day, it had, uh, it had three articles. I'll tell you about two of them. One, one article in the newspaper that day was that they had just found out, and this is a long time ago, they just found out that, or, you know, in, or, you know, months before something, they were investigating Pete Rose because he, they suspected of gambling on, uh, on, on baseball. And so, you know, the whole issue, should he be banned from baseball? Should he be banned? You know, all these kind of things. And so that was one issue. The other issue was so as Ted Kennedy was in the newspaper because uh, uh, the, I don't think it would happen then, maybe it was, but, but it, was, it was about this issue of where uh, he was with Mary Jo Kopechny and, and, uh, and they ran off a bridge at night in Chappaquiddick where, where she died, he escaped and all this kind of thing and a whole lot of speculation about, uh, you know, what really happened there, was she murdered, those kind of things. And so I, I just, in front of them, I read these two stories exactly the way they were written in the newspaper and I read them to the kids and I said, okay, we're going to have a vote. How many of you believe that Ted Kennedy ought to be prosecuted and ought to be held guilty for the, Mary, uh, the murder of Mary Jo Kopechny? Did you know that probably 85% of the kids raised their hand? I said, how many of you think that Pete Rose ought to be banned from baseball? About 50% raised their hand. In both those articles, there was a key word. You know what it was? Allegedly. Allegedly. You know what that meant? There's no proof on either one of these guys. 
there was at that moment, and I'm not saying it's not now, but at that moment, there was no proof on either one of these. And that's what I was trying to get across to the kids. You just made a decision. You know how you made the decision? You made the decision on whether you liked the man or not. Can't watch this. You made the decision on whether you're a Reds fan or not. And if you hate the Reds, he ought to be banned from baseball. If you love the Reds, oh no, he shouldn't. And that's the way we make so many decisions. We make them based on what we want them to be. God wants us to go to the judge and say, what is the verdict? The verdict has already been pronounced in God's word. And the truth is, even about those situations, it's already in God's word, principally already in God's word, that we don't know. Listen, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, people that actually witnessed what went on, that's the only way we can come to a judgment. It's principles. Look, I, I said this, life has many, I've said this to young people all over this nation, all over this world, life has many questions. The Bible has every answer. There are illustrations to help us see. What I've just given you here is these illustrations to help us see that we decide too much. We even say, this is me, and, and I'm not really against what, this, but this terminology, I decided to get saved, or I decided to follow Christ. Shouldn't we not say, I believe God for my salvation? Amen. Or I believed and listened to God when he called me? Where I know what, you know, I know what we mean when we say I decided, but it's a subtle subconscious thing that can grow in our minds. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision and somehow we think we've got a right to make all the decision and here's the problem. Our decision makers are broken. They're emotionally driven. They're driven by our desire. They're driven by our like or dislike. They're driven by our prejudice. Listen to me. We can't be driven by that kind of thing. We've got to be driven by the principles and truths of the Word of God. In reality, his decision was already made by his Word and their acceptance or rejection of it in the valley of decision. But here in the valley, that really that word decision means the cutting away or the separating away. The decision is official. It's enacted upon. Listen to me. You say, well, Brother Hooker, a direct application. Okay. We decide to get baptized to make sure we're going to heaven. We decide that. We decide to join a church to make sure we're going to heaven. We decide to to do what the priest or the preacher says to make sure we're going to heaven. We decide to to go through an intellectual procedure to make sure we're going to heaven. We decide to go to church so long as they say what pleases us. We decide to stop going to church because someone fails us or even tells us the truth that contradicts what we've decided to believe. We decide, but God did not give us a decision about any of those things. He told us clearly, and I'm not, I, I, again, time-wise, I'm always limited on, in, a, in a morning service, but baptism, clearly in the Scripture, God's already told us, does not save us. It's a picture of the, of the grace that we've received. 
He's, he's told us clearly in the Word of God that joining the church does not save us. He's, he's shown us clearly in the Word of God that taking communion or confessing to a priest or preacher does not save us. Uh, that being confirmed intellectually does not save us. Going to church is not an option but a command of God. You say, brother, people say to me, well, you know, if you're saved by grace, then why even go to church? Because God said so. Now, he said so for other reasons. He said so so that we can learn and so we can grow and so we can be changed and we can, we can live better lives. And, and really, that's so much. He gives us so many wonderful principles. Do you know the Ten Commandments are not some commandments to be beaten over the head? God uses to beat us over the head. No, they're commandments of love that give us a great life. If you don't violate them, you're good. I mean, you, you can be happy and at peace right now. Hey, listen, can I tell you something? If you're not in sin right now, you feel better. And I don't mean you're sinlessly perfect, but I'm just saying that, that the, this is terrible, but, but if, if last night you stole from somebody, and you're sitting in church this morning, I don't, if, if you're saved now, if you're saved, now if you're lost, it probably ain't bothering you a lick. But if you're saved, Sitting here right now knowing you stole, that bothers you. Can I tell you how to feel better? Don't steal. Especially if it's my money. Being confirmed intellectually does not save us. Going to church is not an option with God but a command. Having our eyes on man and solely following a man is not what God's Word teaches us. Such a great danger to be consumed with our team so much that we make decisions based on our bias rather than on truth. The Word of God is historically true, scientifically true, prophetically true. I cannot only believe the Word of God for the past and present, but I can use it for the future. Every other book will contain some intentional or unintentional falsehood. The Bible is the only book that contains no error. You say, really? The Bible contains no... No, that's exactly right. It contains no error. It is divinely written and spiritually understood. This is why it's so vital that our life and our actions be based upon the Word of God. It is so important that we take our stand on the Word of God. It's so important that we choose our side, our team, according to their stand on the Word of God. Now, get that statement now. It's important that we... Take our stand on the Word of God, but it's also important that we run with the crowd that takes their stand on the Word of God. And we support, listen, if if Tennessee ain't supporting the Bible, then don't support them. And we know Alabama ain't. That's why Clemson's coach is a Christian. We in humanity choose to tend to choose a team, and then we fail to see things factually, truthfully, because we've already chosen, we've already decided. Even worse is that we'll be so loyal. Now, listen to this statement, please. Here's the crux of this message. We'll be so loyal to our side that we will listen to them rather than listen to the Word of God. 
We let them influence us. Those two football teams are playing in the championship. And we walk into the stadium or sit in front of the TV and we have already determined subconsciously who we will support in every call. You know, periodically my dad will just say, they're just cheating. He said, I just think they're crooked. And I reft enough to know this. It is real hard for any human being out calling the game not to let some bias influence their call. You know, some guys, you get all upset at them, yell at them about a call, and, you know, they kind of do a makeup call. You yell and cuss at me about a call, you ain't getting a makeup call. I'm liable to make up a call. You get influenced. You just get influenced. We can be so blind that two of us can see the same statistics and come to two different conclusions about those statistics. I recently read someone that, uh, that was so obviously biased and antagonistic about a subject they used statistics to prove their point. Immediately as I read it, my math brain went to work and it was so easily clear that their statistics actually refuted their statement rather than endorsed it. But it was obvious that they did not see it that way for they had a preconceived agenda before they began. Again, this is the, the illustrations of the world out there and the life. But boy, when we do that in Christianity... Why is this all important? Because we can go so far in our preconceived beliefs that when our team does, not, does something that violates Scripture, we justify our team rather than sticking with the Word of God. Recently, I preached a message on, Is God Pro-Life? Clearly, in Scripture, there are three great evils that bring the judgment of God upon a people or a nation. One is the shedding of innocent blood, and this is a terminology used to describe the murdering of a, murdering of a baby in the womb. Secondly, it's homosexuality and effeminate behavior and bestiality and, and, and on and on. Those kind of fornication, God says he brings judgment on a nation and on a people because of it. And another is just this one world government. It is the end time th- that's going to bring destruction to the world. It's the tool of the Antichrist. I cannot support anyone or any movement or any church that supports any of these three things, much less all three. Proverbs 3.31 says, Envy thou not the oppressor and choose none of their ways, uh, of his ways. My options will leave me with someone or some movement that is imperfect, but these three alone must make me choose the imperfect over that which will bring destruction upon a people. Again, this is an illustration because it's all I got. I got to use illustrations of the world. But here's the key. When we come to God and His Word, we don't have to revert to the imperfect. In the world, we got a choice between two imperfects. And we decide, okay, if this one's violating Scripture and this one's imperfect but not violating Scripture and, that, and, and, and murdering and, and, and one world government and, all the, and it's just the illustration. But when we see that and we understand, okay, I've got two imperfects but when we come to Christianity they're not two imperfects. We got a world and a people that are trying to draw us away and are thinking away and saying, do what you desire, do what you think, do what you like. And God says, no, I've got absolute truth. I got perfection. 
Proverbs 23, 1 through 3 says, When thou sittest to eat with a ruler, consider diligently what is before thee, and put a knife to thy throat. If thou be a man given to appetite, be not, be not desirous of his dainties, for they are deceitful meat. So much is put before us to entice us to decide what we want, and they tell us what we want, uh, uh, what, to, what to want, and what is good for us, and what is not. They tell us what to believe and what we should not believe. God says, consider diligently, consider diligently what God has said and compare it to what you're being told about life, about America, about others, about God, about salvation. Compare it to God's Word. Consider diligently. Consider diligently. Choose you this day who you will serve, the Scripture says. But understand, God makes a decision about your eternity based on your acceptance or rejection of His Word. Because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who is that? That's Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ came to live and die for us. And, folks, since I've come back to Memphis I found it, and I see this week after week. Thank you for the food bank. But almost, it's amazing, but it's almost every week somebody's coming for the food bank. But it's also amazing almost every week somebody's going to sit down across from me in Memphis, Tennessee, where there's a church on every corner. And I look at them and say, if you could put a percentage on it, what percentage would you put on the fact that you know you're going to heaven? Would you be 50% sure? 60, 70, 80, 90%. And you know that virtually everybody that I talk to, me, talk to looks at me and says, ah, maybe 70, maybe 80. Well, I really think I'd be really close, 90-something. Folks, God teaches us these things have been written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Those are absolutes. And God, who cannot lie, Titus 1, 2, has promised us eternal life. That's what God says. Let God be true and every man a liar. And it seems to me there's a whole lot of men that are saying, believe me, as I tell you, you can never know. Believe me, as I tell you, that you got to work your way. Believe me, as I tell you, you got to do these various things and then hope. Uh, listen to me. I'm telling you, you don't believe. Look, if I ever violate and contradict that Bible, don't believe me, you believe it. But because of where we grew up or because of where we went to church or because of what membership we have, or what, we just say, well, I just believe. Oh, I've just decided. No, you pre-decided. And here's the referee. And he's never missed a call. He never missed a call. And when we look at it, we better look at it and say, you're right. 
man, that's not what my team says, but you're right. That's not what my friends say, but you're right. That's not even what my, my preacher said, but, that, but you're right. We've got to get our thinking right. And that, listen, I know when I'm telling you the illustration, I know it's true because I've said it way too many ball games. I can't watch ball. People say, don't you, don't you have a team? No, I don't have a team because I'm trying to be a Christian. <laughs> because if I get a team, I'm liable to say something, think something, do something that just wouldn't be like a Christian. I got as much as possible as I can just walk away. I cannot even know the two teams and turn something on and, and never even seen them or never even heard of them. In five minutes, I'm going to choose one of them because one of them's an underdog. Can I tell you, when you always go for the underdog, can I tell you, you're almost always going to lose. And it's a miserable feeling. And I get upset and I just don't want to do that. You know why? Because from the moment I choose... Stinking referees are crooked, man. Every call he made was bogus. I went to two games at, at the University of Memphis this year, and do you know that both of them had dirty, crooked referees? <laughs> both of them did. I can't believe they can't good, get, get good referees in college football. Now, we have absolute truth and I gave you this illustration because we've got to understand we are so easily influenced by preconceived ideas can I challenge you weigh what you believe against this book see if it matches up see if it matches up Father, I pray that you'd bless this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you for...